Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hey, hey everyone, Dr. Liz here. Today is a good day. Talking about how to improve your sleep and decrease insomnia. In case you don't know, I am certified in hypnosis for insomnia as well as cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia, which they call CBTI for short. So I am a sleep specialist and have a lot of knowledge in this area. Now this is part of like a four-part series. Part one focused on creating a good wind down, what not to do, what to do during your wind down, how to use apps and hypnosis properly for better sleep. And this one is going to focus on how to use light to sleep better. And then part three is going to be how to shift your sleep schedule and other CBTI questions answered. And then part four is going to be a free hypnosis for insomnia. They're all going to air in sequence with each other. So you should be able to search them up pretty easily. That's my hope, actually. That's why I'm doing that. And it's just nice to do a series. I often do a series for hypnosis for weight loss. I do goal setting. I have one planned for anxiety this year. That's a nice one because anxiety and insomnia often overlap. So I'm actually an anxiety specialist as well. And I can tell you that they overlap a lot. That's those anxious thoughts that keep you up. Now I'm going to say this here at the beginning. Remember that treatment for chronic insomnia is very fast. It is so surprising. I have people come to me that have been struggling with sleep for 10 plus years all the time. And they're like, do you really think you can help me? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and it is like three to six sessions. It's so fast. Seriously, it's so fast. So if you have been struggling and looking all over the internet for trying all kinds of different things, remember that when you work with a specialist, your sleep improves very quickly. If someone's on medication, that's like a sleeping pill and wants to come off of that, then it's a little bit longer. So you're looking more like mm, six to 10 sessions probably because that, that's a process to do that. And you don't want to do it too quickly. You want to do it gradually in with a, a medical doctor's supervision. But if there's no medication involved and it's just someone who has, you know, awful sleep and it's been that way for a long time, you get better very, very quickly. All right, let's jump into today's topic, how to use light to sleep better. So people often don't think about light as involved in sleep, and it absolutely is. Now, chronometers are all over our body, basically, virtually every organ. And if you want to get really technical, they say that it's about 20,000 nerve cells, neurons that form a structure called the suprachiasmatic nucleus or SCN. SCN is a lot easier to say. And technically it's in part of the brain called the hypothalamus. How the hypothalamus gets input is through the eyes. The eyes sense light. 
sometimes when someone is blind, they actually will get their clocks all messed up because their eyes aren't receiving light in the typical way. And that is why. That's why their clocks get a little messed up. All right. So right here, right now, the best thing you could do for your sleep schedule is to get light through the eyes when you wake up. Now, it can be through a window. It can be diffuse light. You can use a sun lamp. Before I recommend that, though, I, I generally recommend that people see a sleep specialist, not me, like more like a medical doctor, if they're going to use a sleep lamp to regulate their circadian rhythm, because there's definitely some specific things you need to know about it to do it properly. But in general, what we say is when you get up, if you can step outside and get some direct sunlight, even just a couple of minutes, if you cannot, See if you can stand by a window and get some sunlight. And again, just a couple of minutes is all you need. You're helping out your circadian rhythm. You're helping out your body to know this is morning for me because now my eyes are getting light. And that actually helps you sleep better at night. Another good time to get it is right around 3 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So this isn't like a hard figure here, like has to be 3.15 exactly. No, it's around 3, 3 to 4, 4.30 that I recommend that people go out and get some light in their eyes. Now, one time I was working with a gentleman and um, he had a late afternoon appointment and I was coming back from a late lunch and I saw him in the parking lot, waved to him and then he came up to the office at his appointment time, which was about 10 minutes later. And he said, oh, I was getting my afternoon light. And I said, oh, if that's the case, be sure to take your sunglasses off. He has his sunglasses on in the afternoon. Now, particularly in South Florida, they want us to wear sunglasses all the time. Believe me, one time I told my ophthalmologist when he asked me if I was wearing my sunglasses, I said, oh yeah, Dr. M, you're the voice of guilt in my head. And he laughed. <laughs> he totally is. Um, they encourage us to wear our sunglasses all the time. It probably is one of the reasons that I had early cataracts is because I live in South Florida for the last 25 years. Although the, the medical doctors will tell you they don't really know why people get early cataracts, but I had an optometrist tell me once like, oh yeah, no, come on, sunlight in South Florida. <laughs> like, look at the rates here. They're super high. I'm like, okay, makes sense to me. Anyway, if you're getting light to help improve your sleep, you don't want sunglasses on. So this is just for a couple of minutes. I'm not suggesting you walk around for an hour without sunglasses, but you know, a couple of minutes, five, 10, even 15, 20 minutes in the afternoon of that late afternoon light to wake up your body some. So this is would be after an afternoon nap if you're doing an afternoon nap. We don't want you napping late if you're struggling with sleep. Sometimes we don't want you napping at all, depending on what's going on. But that's more specific to um, an individual. I can't make a general recommendation there. But what we do want you to do is to walk around a little and get some light in your eyes after the nap time okay, in the late afternoon so that you're getting some movement in your body and you're signaling your body that it's still daytime, it's still awake time, and then you're going to help it for the night ahead. So two times, early morning and then late afternoon. Now, people have developed what they call chronotypes. Most people know two types. Are you a night owl or an early bird? 
But really, there's more types than that. In fact, I read one study that had as many as seven types. That gets pretty specific. But generally, people settle on like four or five types. And the ones I go over in my practice are lions. Those are your morning birds. They're often awake before dawn to hunt. Lots of energy in the morning. They fade more in the evening. Bears follow the sun with their cycles. They're awake when the light is up and they go to bed a few hours after dark. They typically keep a pretty regular sleep schedule. Wolves are your typical night owls. They're keeping watch. They often prefer to wake up closer to noon and fall asleep like wee hours of the morning. And then the dolphins, they sometimes have an erratic pattern of sleep because they're keeping an ear out for any disturbance. And they typically like to be productive, like mid-morning to early afternoon. So when we review them again, lions, which are your early birds, commonly wake up between 5.30 to 8 a.m. Their bed range is 8.30 to 10 p.m. Bears are more like 7 to 9 a.m. Common bedtime range is 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Wolves, 10 a.m. they wake up to 12.30 p.m. And common bedtime is 12 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then dolphins, which are, they have a much larger range because they're, they're a little more erratic. And that's about 6 to 10 a.m. is the common wake-up range. And common bedtime is anywhere from like 9 to 12 p.m. So knowing these four chronotypes, you can see how someone could get a different light experience depending on when they wake up. But the recommendation is the same. Whenever you wake up, Try to step outside and get some natural light or through a window for a couple of minutes coming into your eyes. If you can do this barefoot and put your feet on the ground, even better. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting a little hippy dippy on you, but it's true. It's, I do believe your feet like sense the earth and the earth senses your feet and it's just another signal around what's going on for your body. And again, late afternoon is very good for you. If you're a wolf, so let's say you're not waking up to 12.30 p.m., then I would say try to get some more like evening light in your eyes versus late afternoon. So instead of 3 to 4, 4.30, I would say make sure you're getting light in your eyes around 6, 6 to 7, somewhere in there. Now, if you're in an area of the world where it's dark at 6 to 7 p.m., then yeah, you send, you have a little problem there, don't you? <laughs> that's, um, then that's going to be difficult for you. You may need to use a sun lamp to get that type of light and keep a more regular schedule, sleep schedule. Most important thing for sleep schedules is regularity, meaning you wake up at the same time and you go to bed around the same time. So the wake up time is much more important. I think you've heard me say that before on the podcast or in various blog posts or, or on my newsletter. Your wake up time is the most important factor for your sleep. It's not your bedtime. It's your wake up time. We recommend that you keep that very consistent no matter what's going on. That means if let's say you have some friends in town and you're staying up a little late, you still wake up at the same time in the morning that you normally do. As a sleep specialist, I like that to be like a 10 or 15 minute window, not larger than that. Sometimes I'll get logs back from clients who I'm working with and it's like an hour window and that's way too long. We know that. So sometimes we start with trying to get that down to a 30 minute window and then down to more like a 10 to 15 minute window that you're getting up the same time of day. Your body is getting the same type of light when you get up and in the early afternoon. So it's getting consistent signals. 
You know, another thing that has a big influence here is when you eat. So we have chronometers in our stomach and when we eat has a big influence on our sleep. Now, if you're into intermittent fasting, which a lot of people are these days, then that sort of throws a wrench in things. You have to figure out how it works for you. You know, one of the functions of eating for us as human beings is actually to maintain body temperature. This is why people get super cold when they go on an extended fast where they find like, oh my God, they're freezing or they're freezing at night because their body temperature drops already at night and then they're not eating and you get super cold. When you're traveling, when you're changing time zones, light is really important as well as eating. So that means when you're getting into the new time zone, You don't want to go to bed immediately. You want to get on their clock as soon as possible so that you have a good time, so that you decrease those feelings of jet lag, which often people feel a little sick, sluggish, groggy, that type of thing. We use light to help us decrease jet lag. Light's influencing the regulation of melatonin. Melatonin helps synchronize cells throughout the body. So when we're talking about using light, If you're traveling eastward, exposure to morning light can help you adapt to an earlier time zone faster. If you're traveling westward, you want exposure to light in the evening, so it helps you adjust to a later than usual time zone. If it's a daytime where you're going and you're on the plane, we recommend that you resist the urge to sleep. Try to keep yourself up so that you're starting to get on the new time zone. Nighttime, daytime schedule. If it's nighttime when you're on the plane at your new destination, try to sleep on the plane. And then if you want to try a whole thing around eating versus fasting to help you adjust to the new time zone, I would recommend that you Google the Argonne jet lag study. It's pretty hard to understand it with me just saying it verbally is what I found when I try to explain this to people because there's um, hours you got to count back, like 16 hours uh, from your new time zones, breakfast time, all this stuff that you got to do. It's a few calculations, but if you Google it up, it'll pop right up. It's a study they did in the military because the military often will have to be in a new time zone and immediately be on. They don't want them sluggish and, and um, they don't want them, I guess they don't want to give them a break for a couple of days or anything. They want them on, working, alert, physically ready when they get there. So this Argonne diet was tested um, on the military first and then I heard about it on another podcast. So that's another way to regulate your clock though. I didn't intend to talk about jet lag on this episode, but here it is. So I figure, hey, any help I can give you around jet lag, the better. Especially since the travel rates this summer have skyrocketed. Okay, so um, for understandable reasons, people are now feeling safer to travel. But I, I've been following the stories about all the cancellations and flight delays and all this stuff because of the increased volume. And I'm very happy that I'm not traveling out of the country until December. That's right. Heard it here first. I am going to Italy with my two daughters. And um, if you followed me for a while, you know that my oldest daughter studied abroad in Italy and she was in Florence for six months and then got evacuated because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And she was supposed to be there a whole year. 
my younger daughter and I had tickets to visit her in May of that year, and she was evacuated in March of that year. Italy was one of the very first countries to close her borders. She actually had some friends that got stuck in different countries, <laughs> and they couldn't get their stuff. It was a mess. It was a mess. Um, but anyway, we have been trying to get back to Italy, and we've been watching everything. We figured out a good time to go, and we decided to go around Christmas. Definitely not the height of the tourist season. I went to Paris for my 40th birthday. My mother paid for the ticket. I was born in Paris, and I took my oldest. She was like eight at the time, so it was myself and Mia, and we went on Thanksgiving. We actually flied on Thanksgiving Day, and it was wonderful. It was cold. <laughs> we had our coats. Uh, it was a little rainy, but we had an umbrella and there were no tourist lines anywhere. I loved it. So I prefer the no tourist lines. I'm also not someone who travels a whole lot. I'll take an international trip every couple of years or so. So save the money up, take the trip, have some fun, come home. That's it. <laughs> Start again, right? All right. I hope today's tips really helped you. Remember, you can get a free hypnosis for insomnia right now. You don't have to wait for it. There's one on the podcast already. Or if you subscribe to my newsletter, you also get a free file that way for insomnia. You get three of them. Reduce fear and anxiety, increase emotional stability, and one for better sleep. So just head over to drlizhypnosis.com to get those free files. I do do telehealth. I work all over the world and all over the U.S. doing this, just so you know. And like I said at the beginning, remember that treatment for chronic insomnia is very, very fast. Three to six sessions. It's so fast. Whether you use me or someone else, I really encourage you to get some help. All right, everyone. I hope you are healthy and safe. And if you're traveling this summer, I hope you're having a wonderful time and that your flights are not canceled and <laughs> that you got to where you're going just fine. Peace. truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.